So tonight, um, we're, we're so glad that you're here. Um, I believe that this year here at Emerge, Church, Emerge Youth Church could be a defining year for so many of us, for so many of you guys, and for this youth ministry. And I believe that this could be a great year for us. So I'm so glad that you're here tonight. We're going to talk about a couple things, and we're just going to prepare our hearts for the school year. Um, it, it could be a, a great year for our student ministry, and I, and I believe we're going to see God do some very powerful things right here in this in this room so um but one thing we have to stop doing and i and like i'm just gonna jump right in tonight one thing we have to stop doing tonight is we have to stop bowing down to the other things in this world and and that's what this mass message is all about tonight we have to stop bowing down and we have to stop giving in to things in this world that are only going to tear us down that are only going to hold us back and keep us from our relationship with christ and so that's what we're talking about tonight and um, and there's so many things that we should not in our lives just be taking a knee to that we shouldn't be bowing down to. Um, so in the story tonight, I want to tell you guys a couple stories and they're going to kind of go along with each other. The first story I want to talk to you about is there's this story about this young African pastor from Zimbabwe. Does anybody know where that's at? A couple of us do. Good job. Geography class did well for you guys. Um so a, a young African pastor, he's probably about 20 years old. And I remember years ago when I was uh, a kid, a lot of you guys this age, hearing this story when it came out. And it just completely shocked the church. It completely it shocked the world. It shocked people with, with what was going on. And it went like this. It says this young man, it, um, 20 years old, and, and I'm sorry, the story is about 20 years old. This young man was about 18 to 22 years old, and he had his family. And him and his family, they planted 14 different churches in this extremist area of Zimbabwe. And then all of a sudden, hundreds of thousands of people were coming to Jesus Christ. Because of what this family, because of what this young man was doing. And, and they couldn't build churches fast enough to keep up with the people who were coming in to find Christ. And so what happens is this extremist group, they come in and what they do is they kidnap this young pastor's family. And, and like he's looking for him and he can't find him. And then one night, two weeks later, they walk through the door of his home and they're holding a letter. And the letter says this, if you want to see your family alive next time, you're going to close down every church. You're going to stop preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you're going to stop following Jesus. You see, what the world is asking this guy to do, what the government is asking this pastor to do, was bow down to the world around him. And so they, they, they wanted him to bow down and to take a, take a knee to the pressure of not fitting in with the society and not fitting in what was going on and, and going against the grain. And this is what we like to call counterculture. Like he, he, counterculture means this. It means a culture or lifestyle of the people, especially among the young who reject or oppose the accepted values of behavior or society. So this young African pastor was called countercultural. And in the letter it says, in the same envelope, we want you to write your promise that you will do what we ask and send it back. So that night, the pastor took out his piece of paper and he begins to write because he was a guy 
who lives a countercultural life. He was a guy who went against the flow. He was not swimming with the school of fish. He was that one f- fish swimming the other way. Just keep swimming. Just keep, you guys know what I'm talking about? Just keep swimming. And like as Christians, as followers of Christ, we are called to be countercultural. We're not called to be just like everyone else. We're called to be a little bit different. And so the very nature of who we are and what we're supposed to do stands against what all the rest of the world stands for. That's what Jesus talks about when he says that you're in the world, but you're not of the world. Um, and, and he talks about how we will do things that will offend people because your love for Jesus Christ will shine a light on other people's sin. The Bible says that the cross of Christ, it's offensive to people in the world, to people who don't have Jesus. And what that means is as you bear the cross of Jesus Christ on your heart, that people are going to be that people are going to be close to you. And because they see Jesus in your life that what, what's happened is they're going to be convicted of their own sin. And, and as they're convicted of their own sin, they're going to be angry, and they're going to be frustrated, and they're going to want to do something about that sin, and they're going to be offended at you. And I would like to say this, that if you're not living the life of Christ that sometimes offends people around you, offends people because of their sin, then maybe... Sometimes you're not fully living for him. If your life isn't sometimes offensive to some people around you, then maybe you're not fully living to him. If we're going to see God do great things in this room and in this ministry, we have to stop bowing a knee and start being countercultural. The Bible says this. It says, Jesus said, um, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you. And say all sorts of evil things about you because you're my followers. Any of you guys ever experienced that? Like someone's made fun of you because you're a follower of Christ or someone's made fun of you because of what you believe? Anybody? I know I have. Yeah, several of us have. And and the Bible says this, when people mock you, when people make fun of you, when people persecute you, when they lie about you, when they say things about you, all sorts of evil things about you. They'll do that to you because you're my followers. And he said, it's going to happen and and you're going to have to live such a countercultural life that it's going to happen. It's going to happen that the people are going to make fun of you. They're going to mock you. They're going to spread rumors about you and persecute you and abuse you and say all sorts of evil things about you. But Jesus, he's going to say this. Hey, be happy about it. Be happy about it. Be glad because a great reward awaits you in heaven. When people make fun of you, people laugh at you, people mock you, people pick on you because of your faith in Christ. Jesus is coming back. He's saying, hey, no sweat, no big deal. Be happy about it. If they're making fun of you because of me, then you be happy about it. You be strong about that because be glad because a great reward awaits you in heaven. Matthew 5, 11 and 12, Jesus is basically saying, come and follow me. And then he, he has this disclaimer. It's like, you know, you see those, those TV commercials where they're like, you could regrow hair because I, I have seen those before. And 
I don't really watch those commercials, but they're like, you could regrow hair. And then like, they're talking about it and like the guy's swimming and he's got these wonderful hair blowing in the breeze and all this stuff. And like, and then at the end of the commercial, they're like, have the disclaimers. They're like, commercials like, take this drug and you'll be happy and you'll have a full head of hair. And, but you might die and you might get the swine flu and spread rabies all over the rest of the world, whatever. I don't know what it is, but it shows all these people happy and dancing and that's like what Jesus does. He says, come, come with me. Come with me. You're going to have eternal life. And, and you're never going to thirst again. But by the way, people are going to talk about you. People are going to mock you. People are going to be offended at you because you follow me. But hold on, whoa, whoa. Be happy. So we ask the question, we're like, Jesus, what am I supposed to do when people are hating on me? Because haters are going to hate, 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 hate. I remember being at school and uh, people, they, they would be, they would hate on me. They would pick on me. They would make, I had this t-shirt that I got in trouble for wearing to school um, one time. And it was a Christian t-shirt. And on the front, it said, heaven, yes. And on the back, it said, hell, no. <laughs> and this, I don't know, is you probably shouldn't wear stuff like that at school. But um, I, I wore this, I, I had people made, picked on me, they made fun of me, and, and I'm sitting there, and my friends are making fun of me, and I want to do stuff back to them, I want to punch their teeth down their throat, and like, I want to hurt somebody, and I want to do something back to them, and, and, but the Lord calls us to turn the other cheek, but when tough times come, and, and like, who, who is the guy that they came to talk to, who, when, when bad things happened in their life, who was the guy that they came and said, they whispered it, but they were like, hey, dude, would you pray for me? Things are going on. Like, I, I remember this time um, I went with my brother. Um, this was before Chris and I were married. I went with him to, uh, he lived in Oklahoma City at the time, and I went with him, drove there, and met with him, and we were going to a OU football game for the weekend. And he, it was him and I, and he was taking two of his friends with him. And so we were in his Ford Explorer traveling down the highway to the game. And uh, one of his friends was just a total jerk. And he was making fun of me because I was a Christian. He was, this was before I was a pastor. This was before I was in, in ministry. And uh, I was just talking about it. I was telling them what I wanted to do. And this guy started making fun of me. And my brother just happened to have a Bible in his car. And the guy, we were going down a major I-35 right through Oklahoma City, going down the major highway, and he, and he sees this Bible in my brother's car, and he grabs it, and he says, hey, your Jesus is stupid. I can't believe you follow that junk. That's so dumb. Takes the Bible, he rolls down the window, going 80 miles an hour down the highway, and throws it out. I wanted to put him in a headlock and, like, Boom, giving the people's elbow. Like, I don't, I wanted to throw him out the car. Like, I was so angry, but I had to turn the other cheek. I had to turn away and I'd be like, I, I want to love you with my fist right now. You know, like, I was so, so mad. And, 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 and I never, like, saw the guy again, like, after that day. And I never asked my brother about him again. But there are people who will come into your life, maybe at school, maybe even at home, maybe at other places, and they're going to say, your Jesus is stupid. I can't believe you believe that. I can't believe you follow that. That's a bunch of lies. It's just, someone made that up to make people feel good about themselves. 
And what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to love them anyways. You're going to have to turn the other cheek. You may want to punch the other cheek, but you can't do that. You're going to have to turn the other cheek. Uh, Matthew 5, 11, 12, Jesus says, they're going to hate you. And then on to verse 13, it says, um, it says, be salt and light. It says, if people hate on you, if they persecute you because you follow Jesus, if they make fun of the music you listen to, if they make fun of your morals or the fact that you're still a virgin and you're saving it for marriage, kudos to you. Good for you. I'm glad you're doing that, by the way. And if you're doing that in your life and others are hating on you for that, you don't hate on them. And you don't say mean things. You don't condemn them. You be salt. And you be light. Bible says in Matthew 5, 13, 16, it says, You are the salt of the work, of the earth. Christians are supposed to bring flavor to life. If you're not bringing flavor to the conversation that you're around, maybe you're not being salt. But here's the deal. Let me tell you this. Being a Christian doesn't mean that you're lame. It doesn't mean that you're boring. I have a fun life. I have a lot of fun. I have a great time. It goes, the verse goes on and says this. It says, you are the light of the world. You're like a city set on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Let your light shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. And that's what we're supposed to do. That's who we're supposed to be. And, and when we do that, here's what's going to happen. And I know like we live in this world of we want to please everyone. We don't want to make anyone mad. We want to make everyone like us. Everyone, please love me. Like all my Instagram pictures. Like follow me on Snapchat. OTD. I want to live a life to, to not tick people off. Like I don't want to like walk through Target and be like, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. You know what I'm saying? Like start pointing people out. I don't want to do that. I, that's not the kind of person I am. Um, but I want to bring salt and light of Jesus to a dark world. If you're speaking hope, if you're speaking promise, if you're speaking, uh, if you're speaking life, uh, because so many of us, what happens is we get death spoken into us. It may be like, you're going to die. It may not be like, but it may be like, you're worthless. I mean, you're a loser. I can't believe you. You're, you're so worthless. Like, you're good for nothing. Um, but what happens is the moment that you speak life to someone, the moment you speak life, encouraging words to people, it radically changes the game. Have you ever had someone been making fun of you and then you turn to them and be like, hey, you look really nice today. And they're like, shut up. Because they don't know what to say. Like you kind of change the game a little bit. They may go back to making fun of you. But you kind of you can change the game with the words that you speak. Um, I, I think tonight, like the title of our message is The Point of No Return. And because it's on, it's on that edge of no return moments that when we shine the brightest... It's that edge right there is when we can shine the brightest. People aren't watching us when we're backed away from the edge, um, when we're playing it safe. Nobody watches us there. Nobody sees what's going on. Nobody says, I, I want to I be like him. I want to be lame like him. Nobody says that. You're, when you're at the edge of no return, um, you have to make a decision, just like the pastor in Zimbabwe. He's at the edge of no return. And he. so what happened is he opened up 14 churches and hundreds and thousands of people are coming to Christ. And nobody watched him 
like they watched him in that moment. Nobody saw him like they saw him in that moment when he was making a dent in the culture, when he wasn't just like everyone else, when everybody saw what he was doing. And so what, what, what happens is we make a culture of cowardice in our life by backing away from the edge of no return because we're afraid what's on the other side. When the Christian life is filled with these edges, that they're meant to be stepped over. Our life we're, we're filled with these edges and these points of no return that they're meant to be stepped over. So tonight we're going to talk about three guys real quick in the book of Daniel, um, chapter 3. You guys have probably heard this. I want to encourage you to, I'm not going to read the whole thing tonight, but it's about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And uh, really cool guys, I want to encourage you guys to read that, Daniel 3. Um, and, and I love this. It's about these guys and um, like Shadrach. Meshach and Abednego, and it's these. It's not prescription drugs. Like these are actually people. And um, what happened is is to break down the story a little bit. Babylon comes in and they conquer Israel. And instead of killing everyone, they take the smartest and they take the best and they take the brightest and they take the strongest. They take the best looking. Like they take them all. And like I guess ugly people get to stay home. Um, but they bring them all to Babylon. And, and uh, Daniel, in the book of Daniel, uh, him and his three friends were these guys. And, and in the course of this, they were living for Jesus Christ the entire time they're in Babylon. And so the world um, came to take them out of God's country, and he made them live in the world. And, and so I want you guys to not forget that you are in the world. As Christians, we're not called to be in our little Christian bubble all the time. We're called to be in the world. But what's it say after that? But not of the world. We can be in the world, but we don't act like the rest of the world. Don't be of the world. So what happens is King Nebuchadnezzar, he was on this huge ego trip. You guys know someone like that? Don't point fingers. Um, He was on this huge ego trip. And so what he does, he builds this huge 90-foot golden statue of himself. And he says, here's what I want to do. I want to get all the people who are leaders in Babylon. And what I want to do is I want to gather them all together. And I want them to stand before this 90-foot statue of me. And we're going to put a band over here. And we're going to put a band over here. And we're going to put a band over here. And here's what happens. When the music starts playing, everybody is going to bow down. And they're going to take a knee. And they're going to worship the statue of me. And if they don't, they'll die. All of a sudden, they get everyone together and the, the band starts playing. I don't know what they're playing, but they're playing like uh, Leonard Skinner or something. But it's really good. And the band starts playing and everybody knows the cue. Everybody knows what to do. So that hundreds and thousands of people at once like hit the ground. Except for these three guys. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they're standing there and the music is playing and the band is looking around. And they're like, hey, um, these guys are still standing over here. Maybe we should play louder. Maybe they are hard of hearing or something. So they're like, whatever they're playing. And, maybe, and these guys still stood. They still stood. The king noticed that they weren't bowing down. So Nebuchadnezzar, he said, bring them to me. And the Bible says that he was so angry That he didn't turn red with anger. It says he turned purple with anger. 
So now we know that Barney is a shade of rage. He's more like 50 shades of rage. And so like he's like angry Barney. And it says this. It says that Nebuchadnezzar turns purple with rage. And he tells them and he yells at them. He's like, you need to bow down. Because if you don't, we're going to heat up that furnace over there. And we're going to throw you in it and burn you and fry you like a pancake. And even in the face of insane pressure, when the music played... So here's what, some just did it because of the pressure. Some just bowed down because of the pressure. Some worshipped and bowed down because they really wanted to. Because they didn't want to be left out. Now, doesn't that kind of sound familiar? How we will stop being countercultural and we'll just go with the culture just because we don't want to be left out. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they knew that there will never be a time when it's acceptable to bow down to anything less than God. Students, I want to encourage you tonight to never bow down in your lives to anything that's less than God. Not a relationship, not your depression, not your fits of anger or your bad temper or your reputation, not to any kind of group of friends. Never bow down to anything that's less than God. Because listen, whatever you give glory to your in whatever you give glory in your life will have power over your life. Whatever you give glory in your life, whatever you rise above, whatever you make importance in your life will have power over your life. And if, if God tells you don't, because it takes away your flavor and it takes away from your life, and you do this, you bow a knee to something, and that thing has power over you. That gold statue, it had power over the hundreds and thousands of people that bowed down. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, the only thing that has power over me is God. Whatever you give glory in your life will have power over your life. Maybe it's celebrities. A lot of people look up to celebrities for some strange reason. Oh, they th- they're politicians. This is great. I'm going to listen to everything that they... They're going to tell me how to vote? Yes. I mean, whatever. Like, we look up to these people, and we think that they know all these kinds of stuff because they're on TV. Maybe it's, maybe it's music. Maybe it's clothing. Maybe it's your attitudes. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's your relationship. But when the music plays in on your life... And the world mindlessly follows the instructions of what everyone else is telling them to do. We are called to stand. You have to understand, you'll never influence the world by being just like it. You'll never influence the world by being just like it. You'll never influence the world by being just like it. Can I say that again? You will never influence the world by being just like it. You will influence the world by being just countercultural, by standing when the world bows down, by doing something different in the face of the pressure of the world around. And so Nebuchadnezzar, he brings them before him and he says, listen, I'm going to heat this fire up seven times hotter than it's ever been, than it is right now. And what's going to happen is you're going to burn up right before I even throw you in. So what you need to do, you need to bow down because your God is nothing. I am your God. 
And this is what I love about this story. I want you guys all to hear this. This is what I love about this story. They were standing right there in front of Nebuchadnezzar. And, and they said this, Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, your threat means nothing to us. Right there in the face of the king. Could you imagine like the music playing and like hundreds of people watching Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and are they sit they're in front of the face of King Nebuchadnezzar, hundreds of people watching. He's turning purple with rage, and they said, King, your threat means nothing. If you throw us in the fire, the God we we serve could rescue us from your roaring furnace, and anything else you can throw at us, O King. But even if he doesn't save us, it wouldn't make a difference. We would still serve our God. Uh, we, would, we still wouldn't serve your God or worship your gold statue that you set up. They didn't say this. They didn't say, okay, God better save us. God better come in right now. He, he better bust through that door and he better save us. They said, here's what happened. They said, even if he doesn't save us, we're still never bow down. Why? Because a, a temporary fire is still better than an eternal hell. A temporary fire was still better than an eternal hell. Understand that if they would have looked back and if they would have looked at that fire and if they would have got scared and they say, no, 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 hold on, hold up. The fire's hot. I can feel the heat from here. We're good. We're going to bow down. Um, like it singed my arm hairs. Like it's kind of really hot right now. King Nebi. They would have shown everyone watching that the God of Israel, the one true God, wasn't strong enough. If they would have bowed down, they wouldn't have influenced the world because they were just like the world. They thought to themselves, you know what, I can burn for a few minutes and be with God. Or I can take a knee now and burn for eternity. There's some ways that uh, of some of us in this room, we've taken a knee instead of suffering the temporary for something greater. There is nothing good or worth something in your life that doesn't come without a cost. There's nothing good in our life that doesn't come without a cost. There's nothing worth something that doesn't come without a cost. They knew that a temporary fire was still better than an eternal hell. So when you're faced with what these with these things that we have in our lives, you need to know that not bowing down, you, you do not bow down to the world around you. Give our band come back up. <clears throat> couple things I want you to know tonight, and if you're you taking notes or if you're not, I want you to just remember this. The first thing is this. I want you to know yourself. I want you to know yourself, know who you are, know what God created you to do. One of the greatest reasons that we bow down to so many things in this world is because we don't know who we are. We don't know whose we are. We're a child of God. We don't have to live these ways. We don't have to do these things. A lot of reasons what we bow down to so many things because we don't know who we are. You need to know yourself. Know your identity in Christ. Because if your identity hasn't been established, the world will establish it for you. 
If you haven't decided who you are in Jesus, so much to the point that you'll stand when the rest of the world bows down. If you don't do that, the, the world will establish your identity for you. Let me tell you this, like pastors like me, like Pastor Dennis, Pastor Rob, Pastor Nick, we're not strong. We're not powerful. We don't stand up and speak to you because we're those people who God loves more than you. What we did was we simply made a decision in our lives to stop bowing down. That's it. And the more you stay standing, the more God will use you. Second thing I want you to know is know your God. You got to know yourself. You got to know your God. You have to understand if you have Christ, salt and life are in your DNA. God is now the one leading your life. So what happens, the, the, the furnace temperature is it's heated up seven times hotter. And it was so hot, like the, when the soldiers went to threw them in, they got burned up. And, and they got close, and they got caught on fire, and they died. And so they throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire, and like purple-faced Nebuchadnezzar, and thousands of people are standing back just watching, watching, watching these guys be made an example of. So the crowd is watching, and students, I want you to understand that there are countless reasons to bow down, but the only one reason to stand, and that reason showed up in the fire with them. Nebuchadnezzar, he looks in and he says, hold up, didn't we throw in three? There, there were only three guys that we threw in the fire. I see Shadrach, I see Meshach, and I see Abednego. But who, that fourth man, they says the scripture says it's that fourth man looks like the son of God's there with them. And not, they're not being burned by the flames. Jesus is standing there with them in the fire. If you stand with God in the easy, time, easy times of your life, he'll stand with you in the fire. Isaiah 43, 1 and 2, it says this, Don't be afraid because when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. And I'm done. I'm wrapping up. So Nebuchadnezzar, he says this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, like the ones who serve the one true high God, come out of there. The Bible says their clothes weren't burned. Their hair wasn't singed. They didn't even smell like smoke because they would not bow down. So back to our story. So the young African pastor in Zimbabwe, he picks up a pen and he starts to write his letter back to the government, back to these people. And, and it says, because the letter says this, your family will show up dead the next time if you don't write our government a letter stating your intentions of closing down every church if you stop preaching Jesus and you stop following Jesus. So what happens, this guy picks up a pen and he begins to write and he says, to whom it may concern, I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of his. I won't look back. I won't let up. I won't slow down. I won't back away or be still. My past is redeemed. My presence made sense. My future is secure. I'm done living with small living, small planning, colorless dreams, tame vision, Monday talking, cheap living, and small goals. The longer I need... Uh, I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, top, recognized, praised, or rewarded. I live by faith. I lean on his presence. I walk by patience. I live by prayer. And I labor by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then 
his wife picks up the pin. And you know, when your wife's mad, it goes like this. She says, my face is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road may be narrow. My way may be rough. My companions may be few, but my guide is reliable and my mission is clear. I will not be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice or hesitate in the presence of the enemy. I will not negotiate at the table of the enemy. I will not ponder at the pool or, or popularity. Or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I will not give up, shut up, let up until I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, and preached up for the cause of the Christ. I am a disciple of his. I must give until I drop, preach until all I know, and work until he comes. And when he comes for me, he will have no problem recognizing me. My colors will be clear. Then they folded up the paper. They stuck it in the envelope and they sent it back to the government because they didn't bow. They did not take a knee. Your ability to stand in the face of fire could lead a school to the feet of Jesus. Your ability to stand up when people are all around you uh, not living the way that they should be living. Your ability to stand up could lead so many people to the face of Jesus. The Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar, what happened? These three guys stood up in front of a whole kingdom of Babylon and, and Nebuchadnezzar issued a decree. He says that if anyone anywhere of any race, color, creed who says anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be killed because there's never been a God who can pull off a rescue like this. Guys, tonight, you'll never influence a world by being just like it. You'll never influence a group of people by being just like them. Tonight, I want, I want everyone to stand to their feet tonight. And, and um, tonight, Jesus may be speaking to your heart. He may be challenging you and, and we're done. He may be speaking to your heart and he may be challenging you for here just for a moment. And... Um, we do not want to gain ground in our life and still and stand still or, or move back. We gain ground by stepping forward in him and in his power. Tonight, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. I'm just going to pray. And then I want everyone, our band's going to close in a song. I'm just going to ask everyone to step forward, to step to the front. And you, in your own time, in your own place, you just pray. You seek God. School, maybe school's already started for you. Maybe school's about to start. But I want you to prepare yourself, to prepare your hearts, to stand strong. It's going to be a tough school year for a lot of us. There will be people who come against us. There will be things who come against us. And tonight, we need to prepare our hearts to stand strong. I'm going to pray, the band's going to sing, and I want you all to come forward and just, just for one song, seek the face of God, and then we're out of here. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you. Thank you for showing up in the fire. Thank you for walking with us. And tonight, God, we make a declaration for all of hell to hear that we won't give up. We won't let up. We won't shut up until we have prayed up. We have preached up and we live for the cause of Christ. This is our school year and we refuse to go out quiet. We're on the edge of no return. We will be a light in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing together.